Saturday morning. Welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. January 18th. Where's January going? My word. You take some time off, you start working in the greenhouse, and bam, a month's gone. Do a few radio shows. God, my life's busy. Too many things going on. It's the dog days of winter. You know, tough time of year. You know, January, it's that darkest time of year. I don't know about you, but I get home. You know, it's dark when I get up. It's dark when I get home. Kind of depression starts to set in. You know, hopefully the sun comes out periodically amongst the clouds and three or four hours of sunlight, it seems like we get a day. It's a tough time of year. So what do you do that time, this time of year? I mean, what do you do? Well, you can curl up and you can read a book. Now, I'm not big. I'm not big on that. But websites, I'm kinda, I kind of dig that. You know, Pinterest. You know, there's a lot of good ideas on there. Get, my wife gets me in trouble on that type of stuff, though. Indoor decorating, this is the time of year when I kind of focus in on that. You know, I'm, you know, you got you always have that room you got to paint. I hate painting, by the way. But everybody's got to do it. It's a good time of the year you can kind of do some transplanting on your houseplants. But the big thing I wanted to kind of talk about was you got to add some color into your house. At this point, Let's face it, the poinsettias are looking fair at best. I know, you let, them wa- you, you let them dry out a couple times. Maybe a few white flies kicking around. Time to put them on the back deck. Sacrifice them. I know, a lot of people out there are like, No! Don't do it! It's time to move on to spring. Time to go and get that fresh potted bulbs, time to get a primrose, time to think about just buying some cut flowers and setting them on the, on the kitchen table, you know, or the bar or whatever you have, an island, or surprise your wife or your significant other with some fresh flowers. It just livens up your life. Flowers do that. It's amazing how a little bit of color can just brighten up those dark days of winter. This is the time of year I do love cut flowers. You know, the tulips are coming out, cut flowers, cut tulips, you know. They're inexpensive. They're easy. You buy them in tight bud. You throw them in some water. They last for a long time. You know, all of these things kind of just get you excited about spring. Get you excited about all the stuff that's going to be coming. And, man, we're having fun in the greenhouses now. We're potting up perennials. We're doing all kinds of things. Plants are starting to activate. We're sticking cuttings. It's a lot of work, but, boy, we're having a lot of fun. And just to see the rewards coming down the road. Hanging baskets are starting to get potted. Man, we're getting busy. I love it. But this also is the time of year where those websites and those garden catalogs and everything is out. You know, it's a great time to kind of start researching the vegetable garden. Maybe making your plan for your vegetable garden. Now, if you remember last year, I was a little late. I was a little late planting my vegetable garden. 
well, I did my prep this past fall. I am ready this year. So I've been looking at the Johnny's catalog. I've been looking at Burpee. I've been looking at all these different things. I've been talking to my brother about what he's going to grow for new varieties. We've got some cool new stuff this year, some different tomatoes, some different things that are really kind of exciting for my vegetable garden. So I kind of, last year, if you remember, you've been listening, I kind of overplanted my vegetable garden. I did everything I tell you not to do when it came to my vegetable garden. I got going really late. I didn't plan. I overplanted. I ran into disease and insect problems because of it. And lo and behold, my yield was down and I didn't have as good a garden as I'd like. So I did everything wrong. And that shows you, I still got wonderful vegetables though. I still got reward out of it. But I know what I did wrong, I, and, and we do it time and time again to ourselves. So this year, I'm starting planning now. I'm figuring out now, don't tell my wife I'm expanding the vegetable garden. Because I didn't have enough space to do what I wanted to. You know, and everything takes more space than you think. I did about a 12 by 12 garden last year. I don't even, I can't even tell you how big it's going to be this year. I'd say 20 by 20 probably. But I'm going to space everything out right. And if I don't have room for it, I'm not planting it. I'm just going to make that goal this year. I'm going to plant things out right. And now I'll probably have a few failures in there. You always do. It's called gardening. I'm okay with that. You can't be perfect in gardening. Sometimes losing plants is an opportunity to add something new. You've got to look at it that way. But this time of year, I love opening those catalogs. And I keep some right by the couch. So when, you know, we've got, I don't know, some Lifetime movie on or something that my wife wants to watch, I can pull one of those out and kind of thumb through it a little bit. You know, certainly sometimes having just something like that close by so you can just thumb through it when you have a few minutes and something will catch your eye. There's always a cool new thing in there. And it's important this time of year, and we're going to talk about some questions from customers this week about some of these things. You know, when should I order my seed? When should I think about doing some of this stuff? You know, is my seed still good from last year? You know, so we'll talk about all of those different things this week. But the other thing I wanted to talk about before we get into those questions was this is the time of year that I find I have to get outside. I have to get out and do something outside. I have to push myself to go outside and do something. Whether it be prune the apple tree, whether it be just go out and stomp the snow down around the plants to make sure the mice aren't getting to them. Or whether it's just go take a walk or go snowshoeing or take a day and go skiing. Because life is too busy. And winter is a fabulous month. There are opportunities to have wonderful days outside. Now you got to pick your spots. Nice sunny day, low wind, nice and warm. Go for it. Pick your spots. But this time of year, I tend to do more inside projects. So this year, we're going to do some painting. 
We got a couple rooms we got to paint. Got to hang some more pictures, you know. Always got to hang pictures. You know, there's always something new got to go up on the wall. I kind of found a cool trick about hanging pictures that I had never used and kind of picked this up on HGTV. You know, I got to tell you, watching some of these shows, watching some, some of the stuff online, some of the videos, YouTube stuff, you can pick up a lot of cool, cool ideas. But I don't know if you have ever run into this, but, you know, you get one of these pictures or something, it has two little slots to hang up on the wall and they got to be perfectly level and they've got it, you know, this, that, and the other. What I find is now I'm using a piece of tape and I put a, put a, put the piece of tape on the back side of the picture, right? And I poke the two holes through the tape. And then I take my level and I put it up on the wall and I put, I put the piece of tape underneath my level. And then I drill the two holes for the screws Put the screws in, and then you just set it on the wall. And it, I, you know, it's always one of those things where, like, the screw doesn't line up. It's off a quarter of an inch, and now you're in trouble. Here we go. It's a project and a half. That is a tip, folks. I I got that in, on HGTV, you know, and it's the little things sometimes that make your life so much easier. So much easier. Well, let's take some questions so hopefully we can make your life a little bit easier. So the first question I have is from a customer. She's thinking about an herbs inside. Great time of year. Thinking about herbs, fresh herbs. I love to cook and I'm sick of purchasing those high-priced herbs at the grocery store that don't last. What is the best way to start them? And when should I start? I'm interested in starting basil, parsley, sage, rosemary, tarragon, and thyme. So you hit the big hitters. I love that because that that right there is the core to cooking. I mean, if you have those herbs, six herbs, you can do just about anything in the kitchen with maybe some supplemental dry stuff. So this is a great question for this time of year because it's such a dark, tough time of year to grow things indoors. So there's a a few things I would recommend. We've talked about this time and time again about how you add supplemental light and put a light on a timer. This is an important part to growing some of these indoors. It's not like growing in a greenhouse. You know, we can grow basil and thyme and parsley and all of that in the winter months pretty well without supplemental light in a greenhouse because when the sun is up, it's bright. But in your house, you want to pick the brightest spot you possibly can. Now, basil, parsley, I'll add cilantro too because there's fresh cilantro in the winter to me is unbelievable. Those three, to me, are easy to do from seed. I'll say that again, basil, parsley, and cilantro, okay? They're easy to do from seed. That's a simple, easy, easy, easy. You just put them on top, especially parsley and cilantro. You just put those on top of the soil, water them in, let them do their thing. Basil, you want to take a little vermiculite and put it over the top or a little bit of soil. Not much, just enough to cover the seed. 
And then my suggestion is make a little greenhouse. Take some little saran wrap or something, put it over the top of the pot so that it creates a little greenhouse effect. That'll hold the moisture in there, keep it moist. Once they've emerged and they've germinated, you can take that off. But those three are very easy. Very easy. Anybody can do those from seed. Any time of year. Now, sage, rosemary, tarragon, and thyme. You can do them, but they're much tougher to do. My suggestion is to buy plants. Inside, it's very tough to germinate some of these seeds. And the crop cycle is so long, you might look to find some plants. Okay? It's good to look for some of these plants in the fall and pot them into some bigger pots and kind of grow them on going into winter. So you might struggle to get some of these. We typically have them. Obviously, we're closed right now. So you might search around, call some local garden centers, see what they might have, you know, or just supplement until probably March, and then you can buy a few plants. But sage, rosemary, tarragon, thyme, a lot of the perennial types, it's tougher. And I, I don't, I wouldn't call rosemary a perennial here in Maine, but it's a woody herb. They're tougher to get looking good from seed. And it's a very long crop cycle. So that's my suggestion is maybe do the ones that are easy right now. That'll get you through until maybe 1st of March, and then we'll have some herbs available for you. If you can pick some up locally, I would do so if you come across some. The other thing about herbs, basil, parsley, and cilantro, you can plant multiple crops. So my suggestion is, about the time you think these plants are getting ready for you to start to harvest, seed some new pots. Because indoors, they're not going to rejuvenate as quickly as they would outdoors. So you pick a bunch of the basil off, you want another crop coming behind it. So about every two weeks, two to three weeks, plant another group of, of stuff. It'll make a world of difference. Now, fresh basil and fresh cilantro and fresh parsley in the winter, it doesn't taste the same out of the grocery store. I don't care what anybody says. Sitting in that little packet on the shelf, something about it. Now, Olivia's Garden, basil to me, does a great job. That stuff is wonderful. A little tomato, a little, you know, those backyard farms tomatoes. Oh, with a little mozzarella and a little basil. Brings you right back to summer. Great little healthy snack, you know, for the middle of winter. So I hope that helps. Because the basil, parsley, and cilantro, very, very easy, easy thing to do. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? 
Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earthlife compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. I want a great garden this year, but I don't know where to start. Does this sound like you? With so many great plants available, it can be tough knowing which ones are right for you and your home. The gardening pros at Estabrooks can help. Every time I come, they're always helpful to us. They are really knowledgeable about things because I don't know that much about gardening, so they always tell me what you know would be right in my house in the sun and the settings. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook on another lovely Saturday morning. Let's face it here. It's the dog days of winter, and we're talking about different things for spring. We were just talking about herbs. It's a great time to start thinking about windowsill herbs. Again, add that supplemental light. Make a big difference, a big difference in the house. Same thing for your houseplants. We've talked about it timer 100 watt light bulb away you go comes on you don't have to think about it turns on 10 o'clock to two o'clock in the morning it just tricks everything you can do it from four in the afternoon till eight o'clock at night also just making and tricking the plants to think that it's summer and they will reward you with much better looking plants in your home i know it costs a little bit of energy but if you put it on a timer it's very efficient you know especially with the new bulbs we have and whatnot. You don't need a special light bulb. It's just straightforward. But we're answering questions. If you have questions, submit them to our website, estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. We'll be answering those. We're heading in towards spring. Let's face it, it's the 18th of January. We've still got a ways to go. But before you know it, it'll be February. And then before you know it, it'll be March. Things are happening. We're busy, busy, busy in the greenhouse. You know, and here's another question. Do you have suggestions for a plant with winter interest exposed in a field? I have plenty of space and need a focal point out in my field, but I'm not quite sure where to start. It's a great question. We've been kind of talking about this. I'm glad this question came in because... In the past few weeks, we've been kind of talking about the winter months and how take advantage of being in your house and looking at those views at your garden at this time of year. What are the areas you need something that's more interesting to your winter landscape? Landscaping is not all about spring, summer, and fall. Winter is a big part to our landscaping view. Let's face it, we can have snow on the ground for a long time in the winter. We can have many, many, many winter months here. You know, I'm sorry, but November, December, January, February, and March to me are all winter months. March is not a spring month to me. Now, sometimes we get spoiled. And sometimes April's not even a spring month. Yes, we thaw, but boy, it can still be cold. It can be raw. So look out those windows. And this is a great question because... It brings up the point of what I call noble trees. I've talked about this a few times on the show now. Those big, beautiful, growing trees where this is a perfect situation. You've got a big field. You're looking for a point, focal point that's farther away. 
So a big noble tree that over the lifetime of you living in the home will turn into a showpiece. You know, a few things I like are beech trees. We talked about this in the last couple of weeks. Elms. Now, elms, you know, everybody can be concerned about Dutch elm disease. Primarily, Dutch elm disease, you know, tends to, if you look at where we find elms now, they're out in the middle of fields. They're not on the street corner anymore. And the reason being is when we lined our streets with elms, they all were touching. They all were rubbing branches. They were all wounding and injuring themselves, opening them up to disease problems. That big old beautiful elm you see a lot of times, it's that standalone elm that there's nothing else around it. And a big old field is a great place for one of those. Also, catalpa, northern catalpa tree. Great big, huge leaves. And where it's out in the middle of the field, you don't have to do all the cleanup. The one thing I hate about catalpa trees is the leaf mass they leave on the ground in your yard. It is incredible how many leaves they produce. And the leaves, you know, they're 18 inches across and 18 inches long. They're huge. But what a big, noble tree. Put it out in that field. Forget about the leaves. You're probably mowing the field. They'll just drop off. It's no problem. But a cool, noble tree. Other plants that maybe might work for you. Apple trees, synonymous, or crab apple trees out in a field. Crab apples might be nice because a lot of the varieties have winter interest. The other plant for flowering, winter king hawthorn. Winter king hawthorn, there's wonderful winter king hawthorns all over the city of Portland. They have those bright orange berries on them right now. Really light gray bark. If you go buy one, you're gonna. There's some on Congress Street. There's five beautiful ones at the Hannaford in Yarmouth. Just as you enter, bright orange berries all over them. Good for bird attraction late winter, but the birds won't strip them early on. But good view from from a distance. You might cluster them in a field. Do like three or five to get the show. Twenty by twenty. Height, and then like we talked about in a few past shows, maybe like red tip Norway spruce, if you want an evergreen, you know, instead of doing your standard Norway spruce or a white spruce or a hemlock or something like that, do a different form, like that red tip that all of a sudden in the summer months when it's putting its new growth has red growth all over it and then it turns green, it looks good the rest of the year. Maybe even a weeping tree of some sort, you know, a weeping white pine, something a different form than necessarily what you traditionally think. Or even weeping Alaskan cedar. But it all depends on the kind of look you're going for. If you're going more traditional Maine, probably some of the noble trees or the crabapple or orchard look would be a better fit. If you're going more ornamental and you're looking, you're going to add to it over time, weeping Alaskan cedar, weeping white pine. You know, some of these things get big, 18, 25 feet, you know, big arching branches, cool from a distance. I hope that helps. There's so many options. 
I would recommend you come in in the garden center in the spring. You know, you could do everything from oaks to maples to, you know. But I was kind of going a little bit on the different side. There's plenty of maples and oaks out in our woods. Why not add something different? Tree diversity is something that we haven't talked a lot about on the show. But I think it's really important. And sitting on the Yarmouth Tree Committee... And we did a tree survey of the town. And to see the percentage of maple and ash and oak and, you know, some of the top three or four genus and species, we open ourselves up for a problem like Dutch elm disease. You know, where all of a sudden you've got, you know, some of these insects that are found in Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, out in Midwest, you know, it opens us us up to, you know, problems like emerald ash borer. You know, we, there's 25% of the trees in Yarmouth, center of Yarmouth, that are all ash. They could be wiped out by one insect or one disease. So we need to be conscious of, about that. Planting a diverse yard also fail-saves you from that situation. Next question is, how do I get rid of my squirrels from my bird feeder? This is an unbelievable question because this time of year, those suckers are ravenous. They are just crazy. The other thing is, it's not just squirrels. It's turkeys. It's bear. It's deer. This is a food source for all wildlife. And they tend to start attacking. It was funny. I was going home the other day, and I'm driving down the road, and I look over, and there's three deer eating out of a bird feeder in my neighborhood. You know, and they're swinging that bird feeder back and forth, you know, just beating it up. And then I go down the road a few days later, and there's like 40 turkeys underneath this bird feeder. Do I have a perfect answer for you? No. There really is no way to keep all of these critters from eating your bird seed. Now, what I will say is spreading your bird feeders out in different areas in your yard will help and putting them at different heights. Maybe even rigging up a pulley system so you can lift your bird feeder up and down in the tree to get it at different heights. That might be a, a good solution. The other thing is some of the new feeders are really, really great at fending off squirrels. If you have a lot of old-fashioned feeders, some of the new ones, they'll take them, they've got battery-operated, they'll toss them, they'll do all kinds of things to these, these uh, wonderful little squirrels to frustrate them. Ultimately, whatever seed they knock out of the, out of the feeder, they're going to be eating on the ground regardless. So there really isn't a perfect scenario. If you have a really bad problem, my suggestion is spread out your feeders a little bit. Put certain seed that's more specific to what they like, like sunflowers they tend to gravitate towards. Put those closer to areas where you're going to be in and out of the house a fair amount. It's going to be a little more human traffic around. And put some of the other seed that they're less apt to go after, you know, in other feeders that are a little farther away from the house. But let's face it, squirrels, they are aggressive. It's their main food source. You know, if you have a group of squirrels that are living in your 
yard, they're going to go after the bird feeder time and time again. If it really gets to a point where you're really struggling with the economics of the situation, the cost of seed comparative to how much bird activity you have, take the bird feeder away for a while. Make the squirrels find another source of food. And maybe they go to your neighbor's house for a while. But you might have to break that cycle of them knowing where the bird feeder is. It's pretty tough because they're pretty adapt to where, you know, they adapt to where the birds are going to to feed. They're not stupid. They're squirrels. <laughs> they're very, very aggressive. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on Newstalk WLOB. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. For over 60 years, Wiltproof has provided the most effective protection against moisture loss in plants under water stress, and no other product comes close. Our non-hazardous, organic, and biodegradable film is like having several layers of protection. As the outside layer of Wiltproof wears off with the weather, another layer forms. Wiltproof is the only horticulture anti-transparent that has the ability to provide this long-lasting protection. Put your trust in Wiltproof. Check out their site at wiltproof.com. That's wilt-proof, P-R-U-F, dot com. I want a great garden this year, but I don't know where to start. Does this sound like you? With so many great plants available, it can be tough knowing which ones are right for you and your home. The gardening pros at Estabrooks can help. Every time I come, they're always helpful to us. They are really knowledgeable about things because I don't know that much about gardening, so they always tell me what you know would be right in my house in the sun and the setting. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. Answering questions here that have been submitted to our website, estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. Please send in the questions. It's great when we get them. Um, sometimes I'll hold a couple weeks of questions just to get enough to kind of pull together a good show. But, uh, you know, it really helps understanding what you're having problems with out there. You know, what you need help with. Certainly, you can always call us at the Garden Center, too, and, uh, you know, talk to us. We're there Monday through Friday. If we're not available, certainly leave a message or, the you know, Bonnie or someone in the office will take a message and we'll get back to you. It's that time of year. It's the off-season. You know, we try to skip out a little bit here or there. 
you know, got to get a little break here or there. But we're busy in the greenhouse. We're potting like crazy. It's that time of year. So here's another question. Amaryllis. When do I cut the flower stalks off my amaryllis? Should I keep the plant when it's done blooming or is it trash? It's a great, great question because, you know, all of these types of plants, it's really a question of what you want to do with them. So question about amaryllis. Number one, it has a lot to do with the size bulb and whether or not you're getting more flowers out of the bulb at a certain point. But basically I tell people it's time to cut the flower stalk when the flowers are done. There's no real benefit to letting that flower stalk wither and the energy go back into the bulb. A lot of times your secondary stalk will be coming up as that one's passing anyways, so let's put the energy into that. Now, if you're not getting any more bloom stems, you're just getting foliage coming out of the center of the bulb, then probably it's the end of the bulb. It's expended all of its energy. Now it's putting foliage on. And that foliage we need to kind of grow for a while to get a bunch of energy back into the bulb. My question to you is, if the amaryllis is a positive in foliage, when it has no blossoms on it, if it's a positive to your environment, then keep it. If it's not a positive, if you don't find it attractive, if you really don't think it's adding anything to your environment, it's very tough to get amaryllis to rebloom in a house. A lot of times what I recommend is people put them outside for the summer and then bring them in at a certain point and make them go dormant. Is that tough to replicate? Yes. For the 10 to $20 a year, personally, I think it's a lot of work to try to get blossoms and then a lot of times you're disappointed because it doesn't work. So it's hard. It's, it's a tough situation to really make happen. So my suggestion is after it's done blooming, if you like the foliage and it's a good winter plant, keep it. If it doesn't add anything, pitch it. Real simple, easy situation. I don't think you have to really think about it more than that. I do like having different amaryllis come on at different points. I find that really exciting. My grandmother loves amaryllis. She loves them. So what we do is periodically we pot them up. And like we talked about around Christmas time, when you're purchasing amaryllis, you want to look for the flower or the buds coming out of the center. If you look at the group of bulbs on the table, you will see some that the bulb has emerged, the flower stalk has emerged out of the bulb, and it's not planted in anything. Those are going to be the bulbs that bloom the quickest. Then you'll find some that you kind of see swell in the center of the bulb. Those will be next. And then you'll see some that are very tight. You almost can't even see any growth. Those will be very late. So you can basically have amaryllis in bloom all the way from Christmas time all the way to March. So when you're picking up your bulbs, keep that tip in mind and then you can kind of plant them periodically throughout the winter. You don't necessarily have to plant them all at once.
But amaryllis, great color, great for that time of year. I love the plant. Old-fashioned, but man, those nice big flowers in beautiful silk, silky colors. You know, the whites, the reds, the pinks, and they're just, the blossoms have such a texture to them. They really, really are beautiful. So I hope that helps. Amaryllis can be a little bit tricky, you know, but I wouldn't get too caught up on whether you're going to try to get it to rebloom again or not. Next question was interesting to me. I, at first, read the question and struggled with it. And I'm still struggling with it, if you can't tell. The question is, I have a bunch of seeds, seed packets left from last year. Are they still worth sowing this year? I have marigolds, beans, squash, petunias, tomatoes, and cucumbers. I know it isn't the time to start them now, but I'm thinking about ordering seed the next month, and I'm doing my due diligence on planting my garden like you've been talking about. I like that, planting your garden. We talked about that last week. Important time of year to start thinking about some of those things. Here's the interesting thing about seed. It all depends on how you store them, whether they're going to be good or not for the following year. Moisture is your enemy when it comes to seed. So if you've had them out in the garage, they've been in heat and humidity all summer, you know, they really haven't been stored tight in a package, you open the package, use some, you may or may not have good success. My suggestion is on some of these things, is maybe test some out sooner as kind of almost you're going to cannibalize them, you know. So take a few petunias, a few marigolds, a few beans, whatever. Just seed a little tray. If they come up great, you know the seed's good, toss the tray. Because you know you, you don't have, it's way too early. But then you also have time to order new seed if you need to. So you could do something like that to test the seed. Nine times out of ten, most seed, the germination rate goes down about 10 to 20% if it's stored well. Now, what I would recommend when I say storing well, my suggestion is some sort of dry container like, you know, a, a Tupperware or something like that. Put your seeds in that, seal it up nice and dry, and then place it in a closet where it's cool and dry all summer long. That's probably the best way. If you even have one of those little dry packets, you know, that you get in packages, throw it in the container. Moisture is your enemy. But more often than not, I love the fact you're asking the question now rather than sowing the seeds and then they not come up and then you're behind the eight ball. So do a little test. See if the stuff's going to germinate. The likelihood is your squash, your cucumbers, and your beans probably will fine. Will be fine. I suspect your marigolds also will be. The petunias and the tomatoes are going to be my little my my concern. But more often than not, I would definitely recommend purchasing new seed if you really have a lot that you need to do. So say you're doing a lot of beans all at once you might want to get some new seed also. You could put both seed, some of both seed in, and then if some doesn't come up, you could also go ahead and put some in a couple weeks later because it didn't germinate. It you wouldn't be the end of the world. Same thing with squash. You're going to know within a week or 10 days, but maybe pick up an extra packet. I mean, we're talking $1.30 here. Or what's the worst that happens? It doesn't come up. 
you buy a start at the garden center. It's not going to kill you on some of those things. So it all depends on on where you need to go with seeding your stuff. So I hope that helps. I know there's going to be a lot of questions about seeding, and we'll be talking about some of that. We'll be having our friends from Johnny Seed will be on in the new future weeks. They'll be talking about all the new varieties that will be coming on and also kind of maybe some tips about how to treat some of these things, whether to plant stuff in a pot or plant it direct in the ground. We'll talk with them a little bit in the upcoming weeks about some of those different things. Seeding plants at this time of year, it's not recommended for most things in the house. You're still really early. I mean, you're probably a month, at least a month away for a lot of things. So don't get too anxious. I love you're asking the question and getting organized and planning. I think that's great. It is wise to think about if you're going to order seeds online, order sooner than later. And take that tip of how you store them once you get them in the house. Again, moisture's your friend. Don't put them in the wet basement. Put them in a dry closet in some Tupperware. Mark every single seed packet when you get it with a date, when you bought it. That way you know exactly how old the seed is. That way three years down the road you don't go, oh, I think this seed's still good because it probably isn't. Seeding your plants will take a lot of care and energy. Don't do it this early. It's only the 18th of January. I'd say we're looking at probably at least mid-February before we start on most things. you got to figure you need at least eight weeks back from frost before you start a lot of these things. So think about that, eight weeks. Think of Memorial Weekend, late May. So you're really pushing towards mid-March to late March before we start a lot of things. Now, there's always exceptions to the rule, but get the seeds ordered so you have them. There's nothing worse than not having all the materials ready when you go to do the project. You know, if you have to order seed and wait on the seed and you're ready to transplant or you're ready to go ahead and plant your seeds, you don't have all the materials. It really kind of gums up the works. So start planning. Get everything squared away. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. I want a great garden this year, but I don't know where to start. Does this sound like you? With so many great plants available, it can be tough knowing which ones are right for you and your home. The gardening pros at Estabrooks can help. Every time I come, they're always helpful to us. They are really knowledgeable about things because I don't know that much about gardening, so they always tell me what you know would be right in my house in the sun and the setting. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. 
Imagine a great looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, answering questions here today. Uh, all kinds of things kind of going on. If you're thinking about, you know, what you need to get done for your garden or have a question, need help, submit a question to our website, estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. Just submit a question and we'll pull it up on the show and answer your questions. So don't hesitate to add you know, anything you need to, just go to our website, estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. Now, this question I struggled with, okay? I really struggled with this question, and I didn't know how to take it. The question is, Tom, I want to know your favorite tree, shrub, perennial, ground cover, rose, and annual. What are your favorite plants? That's a tough one, folks. I mean, I I sat down and I thought about this. Last night, when I was trying to wrap my head around the question, I've been thinking about it for a few days since it was submitted. That's a tough one for a garden center person like myself to come up with one plant. So I couldn't do it. You know, I couldn't do it. So I'll try. I'll take a stab at this because, you know, you can't really dial it into one plant. It all depends on the conditions for me. You know, if you have a spot, that is my favorite plant, the one that thrives the best in a specific condition because that's what makes our yards amazing is the plant diversity, but not only, every yard is different via the conditions. And so that's why every landscape can't be the same. You can't have the hydrangeas on the certain side of the house on every house. can't happen. You can't have a certain plant in a certain spot in every house. It's it's impossible. I love it. That's what makes it challenging. That's what makes it fun. So here are a few of my answers. So let's tick them off one at a time. So for trees, I struggled with this one a little bit. I went back and forth and, oh, geez, I really like that plant. But, boy, I like that plant. But, boy, I really use this one a lot. And, you know, I was really hemming and hawing. So I came up with Coosa Dogwoods as one of my options. And the reason I picked Coosa Dogwood was I looked at all the choices I, I talk about kind of add more than one element and give me something year-round. So Coosa Dogwood I looked at as in the off-season when it has no leaves, it has really nice shape. So in the winter months, it's got a really nice open vase shape. It's got good structure. I like how the branches look. Really nice and attractive. Can come in pink or white. And then no insect problem or disease really here in Maine. And then on top of that, some of the varieties have fruit in the summer months. So that's why I kind of picked that. And the longevity of bloom. Bloom's a long time. So that was kind of my thoughts around that. The other thing was crab apples. I just like crab apples. Again, same thing. Different interests at different times of year. And like we talked about last week, there's new varieties. 
There's new varieties that that are getting better and better with different shapes and dwarf forms and have berries that are persistent and hold on all winter and others that have cool new flowers. So there's a lot of revived energy around that. So I looked at it, Coosa Dogwoods, well, kind of more new school, I guess. You know, for a long time, we didn't plant Coosa Dogwoods here in Maine. Crab apples, old-fashioned, but new energy, new varieties. And then big trees. I looked at big trees, and I looked at beech, ginkgo, and elms. Those noble trees, again, like I talked about. Plant diversity. Different plants. Not the same old maple, not the same old oak, not the same old ash, something different. So I gravitated to kind of some of those. It's not doesn't mean I don't like all the others. I do. They have their place. Then we'll talk about shrubs. For early spring, I thought to myself, what would what's what's really cool right now? What 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 gets me excited? And I thought quince. Old fashioned plant, right? I love them when they're in bloom. I love them when they're not in bloom. But the new varieties have no thorns and double flowers. To me, it's an improvement over the old, but still an underused plant. can be used as a hedge. Typically only found in smaller sizes, though. So, you know, I thought about that and I said, you know, lilacs, eh, they're everywhere. I can, I like them. For Scythia, yeah, not so much. Love them, you know. They're beautiful. But then I said, quince, wow. Cool, new, different. But still old. I love that. And then the other thing I thought about was hydrangea. And I said, oh, here we go. How many hydrangeas do we have? But I love Annabelle hydrangea. I've talked about this time and time again. The fact you can cut it back to the ground, the fact you can put it in a snow plow area, it can go in sun or shade, it holds up well, it blooms reliable, reliable. it's old-fashioned, but still there's new varieties, it comes in white and pinks, just holds up well. I have six of them in front of my house. Obviously, I love it. And right now, I looked out the window this morning, and all those mop heads are still standing in all the snow. They got little snowballs all on top of them. But man, seed pod, winter interest, cool, love that. Now perennials, perennial hibiscus. Last week we talked about a new one, but I like all of them. Perennial hibiscus. For a lot of years we really struggled with how to deal with these plants because they come up so late in our climate. But the varieties they've come out with in the last five years... I just can't, every year I, they come into the garden center, I go, oh, I really should take one of those home, you know. And so I've been kind of plugging one in, plugging one in, you know. Now they're really taking shape. Three to four feet tall, big eight, nine-inch flowers, you know, beautiful summer color, fills a void in the, in the color palette during the summer months. Great, great plant. The other thing I've talked about is time and time again, grasses. Love grasses. So many varieties, I can't name them, but I just like grasses. So those two things kind of, you know, get me excited about perennials. Ground covers. I love vinca. That periwinkle blue, early spring, just easy, simple, old-fashioned. I like it. Fills in gaps, always looks good. Glossy foliage when it's not in bloom, simple. And then sedum. I like sedums. 
you know, the low dragon's blood types, a lot of new varieties. Roses, knockout roses, I think, and drift roses are the two series I would recommend to anyone. So many big color ranges. The drift roses have some amazing colors in them. Really take a look at those. Disease resistant, easy. And then for annuals, it's too many. But I like begonias for shade. I really, you know, whether it be waxed or tuberous, I love them. And then for sun, hot, I like supertunias. I know everybody goes, you like petunias? God, oh, they're a pain. You got to clean them. You gotta... No. Petunias are easy. Fertilize them, water them. Hot, humid, they hold up. They look good all the time. Simple and easy. I like that. You can mass them up. Very, very simple. So there's some of my top picks. Not saying they're all perfect, but to make a garden center owner pick the top plants that they like, that's like a candy store. How do you pick? So next week, if you ask me the question, it could be a totally different list. And, and that's truthfully honest. But get out there, enjoy winter, plan your garden, enjoy your Saturday, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.